LiDAR with RoboHub, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hi and welcome to the latest episode from the RoboHub podcast. Today we'll be learning about solid state flash LiDAR, a new type of LiDAR technology for 3D sensing that captures entire images at once. LiDAR technology is a method for measuring distances with laser light, and it has a vast array of applications from self-driving cars and warehouse robots to security cameras. Conventionally, LiDAR tech builds 3D images of surroundings piece by piece. Sense Photonics sought to develop a faster solution to 3D sensing, and their solid-state flash LiDAR works by emitting a high-power flash of light in the field of view of an industrial 3D camera, capturing the reflected photons in its sensor. This sensor is able to capture and display the field of view simultaneously, as opposed to scanning the image in a piecewise fashion, as in conventional LiDAR systems. The data is captured as a three-dimensional point cloud, which then helps the robot or autonomous vehicle understand its surroundings in real time. Aaron Bishop from Sense Photonics spoke to our interviewer Abate about how they use their solid-state flash LiDAR to detect objects accurately over a larger field of view than traditional scanning LiDAR technology. Hello, and welcome to the RoboHub podcast. Thank you for speaking with us today. Could you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Aaron Bishop. I'm Director of Business Development at Sense Photonics. Um, how did you get involved in robotics, Erin? Oh, wow. It's, it's a long time ago, actually. I was very involved in this first robotics high school robot competition. And I think my, my first year of it was the year 2000. And uh, I was a junior in high school. I was relatively good at math, and my dad was an engineer. So I wanted to see if engineering was for me. And, and I got hooked. Uh, and I, I like to think I was a relatively smart 16-year-old. I saw that going to college for uh, engineering degrees, I was in some robotics labs, I got robotics internships while I was in college. And it's because I started so early and just kept the interest that after, well now, after 15 years of, of being in robotics, um, you know, I have a lot of insights and a lot of, uh, a lot of ways to contribute. Mm-hmm. And then after those 15 years, you've now landed at uh, Sense Photonics. Could you tell us a little bit about the company and what your role is over there? Correct. In the past 15 years, I've worked on telepresence robots and warehouse mobile robots and warehouse robotic arms and collaborative robots. And I kept hearing the same story over and over again. People keep asking, when will there be a better 3D camera? I want solid state LiDAR. When will solid state LiDAR exist? When will long range 3D cameras exist? Because in these uh, dull, dirty, and dangerous environments, you need robust 3D cameras that can work for, for those types of conditions. Uh, I was doing some robotics consulting a few years ago. I worked with a number of different robotics companies, and I met the Sense Photonics team, who didn't otherwise have a lot of experience in robotics. The team actually came from the solar industry. And they wanted to apply this new technology that they had access to, to creating solid state LiDAR. Uh, It's a bunch of photonics guys. And when I chatted with them, 
I chatted with the Sensotonics founders, I got really excited. I honestly, I honestly believe every robotics company needs to be looking at this long range solid state LIDAR. By essence, we are building what people have been asking for for a long time. And I really think it's going to be unlocking new performance potential uh, for a lot of these automated and robotic systems. And could you explain to us what is solid state LIDAR and why did Sensephotonics decide to pivot into robotics with it? Right. So solid state LIDAR, another name is an industrial 3D camera. The output is very similar. It's uh, you receive a frame of pixels, very similar to the camera output from your RGB camera. And but instead of getting RGB uh, color information, you're getting depth information. So on, with our system, you are getting 100,000 pixels of depth data points, 100,000 data points, depth values per, per frame. And the reason why this is valuable to robotics, because, you know, there's this metaphor. If you want to be a fighter pilot and fly airplanes, you need to have really great eyesight. What a robot can do in the world whether or not all of robotics is moving from highly structured environments to more variable environments, to environments that are harder to predict. Uh, collaborative robotics is a good example. Uh, it, it might need to do something differently or it might need to um, stop if something gets, into, gets in the way. And for robotics to improve in what, it, in what they can do in the world, they need to see everything that's happening in the world. And since photonics, the team always knew there would be an application available in, in robotics and industrial segments because uh, as there is a focus on self-driving cars. However, robots are actually uh, self-driving cars in, um, in, on private land, <laughs> on private property, um, in, con in slightly more controlled environments. So it's actually easier to deploy automated vehicles in areas where there's uh, it's a professional environment instead of on the road. So the the people are building robots faster than people than there will be there'll be robots uh, in warehouses and robots in truck yards sooner than there will be self driving cars on the road. Mm -hmm. And did Sense Photonics create solid state LiDAR or was that already available beforehand and they worked to perfect it? So the term solid state LiDAR has been around for 15 years. Uh, there's other words for it. I mentioned industrial 3D camera or time of flight camera. It's been a word to describe a long range 3D camera with no moving parts inside. Most LIDARs that people are familiar with have a mechanical component, whether it rotates like a 360 spinner or it's a MEMS device. And there's this cost curve that when you need a highly calibrated mechanical system, it's really hard to reduce the manufacturing cost. It's really hard to increase the yield. And it's really hard for it to be durable for long enough on a, on a machine that vibrates wildly, uh, you know, forklifts and construction equipment vibrate more than, um, than, an than an automobile. So the other industrial time of flight cameras on the market or solid state LIDARs on the market are all buying lasers from a third party. 
And these lasers need to illuminate the, the target that you want to see in the camera. But these lasers aren't exactly powerful enough to see much. Uh, there's range issues. There's also sensitivity considerations on, on the imaging chip. So since photonics took its expertise from the solar industry and making uh, efficient photonic arrays and, and using state-of-the-art technology in semiconductor manufacturing, and they were, we were the few, if not maybe the only LiDAR company who builds our own lasers from the ground up. And the lasers are so powerful uh, and eye safe, of course, uh, but they're powerful to illuminate the entire field of view at range so we can actually capture the depth data from it. And one of the distinguishing features of solid state LiDAR is the fact that it doesn't need to scan the environment. It gets, it flashes the entire environment in this laser simultaneously. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. What we have built operates very similarly to your camera where the laser emitter is a big, bright flash bulb uh, and, and collecting all the data on a single imaging chip per frame. Um, other LIDARs, especially uh, like a, if it's a rotating LIDAR, like in 16 lines or 32 lines or 128 lines, there happens to be this see between the lines problem where you might get enough vertical resolution at 10 meters or 20 meters. But if you go further out, uh, there's this see between the lines problem that if you're spreading 16 lines across a large vertical field of view, you might have 10 degrees between each line where you have no data. And you can't really sort out the context of what's happening in that image at range. So I've heard feedback that for line scanners, the rotating LIDARs is not exactly usable beyond 15 meters because of the C between the lines issue. Uh, the second issue with any mechanical LIDAR sensor is uh, time sync and the unwrapping of points. So in perception systems of the future, the perception systems of the past were focused on two goals. One was slam navigation, and that's been figured out. Uh, the other is collision. So having more pixels in the frame helps you see more detail and helps you avoid colliding into objects. However, when you need a robot to pick up a pallet, or if you need it to make an intelligent decision about how objects have moved in the space, you need to see every object. Uh, you need to see that object if it's black in color or if it's shiny. That's another thing that um, RealSense cameras and some other 3D cameras struggle with is the surface reflectivity of the object. No, if it's a black thing, um, I need to see it just as much as I see another thing. Anyway, in order to make these robotics smarter um, by seeing more context and of what's happening in an environment and making decisions about what's going on in that environment. I need to see everything in that environment, but also needs to see it in a time-synced way because the way to train these models is through uh, data sets and, and image labeling, very similar to what uh, computer vision people are doing in for machine learning. And our camera and our sensor has to be very friendly to use in a very similar format 
as other types of computer vision, photography, and machine learning tasks that are being trained today. So again, because we're just like a camera and it's frame by frame, uh, it's easier for machine learning researchers to uh, create data sets with our 3D data and 3D images, and it's easier for them to decide on the context, and it's easier to, to use and, and program around with other, with other sensors for sensor fusion. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about sensor fusion, is there also the possibility to have sensor fusion between the LiDAR that you are developing and, say, data captured from other cameras? Um, so you could be able to get that color data um, from a traditional camera and the traditional computer vision systems in conjunction with the LiDAR data? Absolutely. And we are very excited about that. We have had a, a pilot project with a customer who did a side-by-side comparison of what is the accuracy of their model when they use only color data and what is the accuracy of their model when they use color plus depth. And they found that the color plus depth uh, using the depth from sense photonics uh, was 80% more reliable in terms of providing the right answer about what the camera was seeing in the field of view. So this is a paradigm shift that the computer vision research um, community is going to be shifting into in the next few couple of years. There was a very valid argument and Tesla and uh, Elon Musk from Tesla made this argument that everything and computer vision is possible with an inexpensive RGB camera and really great AI. However, people are realizing its limitations uh, and AI and perception systems are all about having reliable sensor values. More sensor input creates better models. More sensor input creates more reliable uh, modeling and as much as the industry has been trying to make RGB cameras do everything in terms of analytics and self-driving cars and robots, um, what people have actually been asking for is they want 3D data to be inexpensive. So again, I read an article about Elon Musk and Tesla and they're saying LiDAR is too expensive and we should do this with RGB cameras alone. The automotive industry and the robotics industry have already said that if, if you're talking about collision avoidance or safety, you must have a 3D camera. You must have depth values um, in, order to not, in order to reliably not crash into stuff. The, the pseudo LiDAR that people are trying to build has hugely functional limitations, and that's why Tesla cars have crashed. What people actually want is reliable depth data at a reasonable cost, and everyone has somewhat acknowledge that you'll they'll get better performance. They just keep trying to make RGB only work. But when depth data, when a lot of depth data is reliable and inexpensive, there's the whole computer vision world is going to become unleashed. And when you talk about pseudo LiDAR, are you discussing about um, say stereo stereo cameras that can using the two cameras judge the depth? 
Correct. Of two objects. And I think you said the word there, judge the depth. This might get a little, um, I'll put it this way. If you have a big machine that can do damage to its environment and kill its operator and or it's dealing with very expensive equipment that has a value, think about that word, judge its depth. A stereo camera doesn't know how far something is. The stereo camera sees something, and then software judges or decides after the fact the probability of how far that object is. So it's this difference between interpreted depth and actual depth. For example, another example is, um, you know, we have human eyes. Humans actually don't judge depth all that well. I mean, we don't know. I can tell you something's two meters away, but the human eyes are actually not a good proxy for machine vision. And what happened when the Tesla crashed into the truck is you imagine your eyes right next to a wall and you have no perspective of what's beyond that wall. And then you walk slowly backwards, but in your field of view, you still only see a flat surface. And there's absolutely no way a human brain or a stereo camera can really know how far is that surface if I look at a large, flat, smooth surface? What is better and what is required is to know the actual depth. Similar to, um, you know, you, you have that little construction measurement tool and you point it to a wall and you get that like, oh, that corner is three meters away. Perfect. Well, that's real depth. That's a depth value from, from a laser me measurement it's not trying to figure out the depth value from interpretation or from secondary judgment calls. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that there were some different behaviors depending on the type of material, the re reflectivity of that material. Could you expand on that in depth? Oh, absolutely. So let's take that analogy of using your uh, laser-based construction measurement tool. A lot of people have them in their houses for measuring rooms and, and whatnot. Um, in order to get a depth measurement from a laser pulse, you need to receive a signal back. Photons. Uh, you're reflecting photons, so to speak. Uh, I point it at the wall and something, some amount of light comes back and my imaging chip receives that. Now, Two things happen. If something is too dull, like a black tire, actually, it'll absorb most of that light. So you don't get a huge return. Um, one of the requirements for self-driving cars is seeing 10% reflective targets at in full ambient sunlight. So if I have a very dull black tire on the road, I need a lot of light. I need to shine a lot of light at it for, for me to get any reflection back through the 100 kilolux sunlight environment. So we have very absorb, we have materials that absorb. Uh, we also have materials that reflect. So um, if you fire up a real sense camera, people often complain that, um, you know, they have a black piano and they just, this ends up being a hole. They just don't see it at all. Um, on, the, on the other side, Things that are very shiny, like black plastic wrap, uh, shrink wrap, blister pack wrap. So people who want to do inventory scanning of shelves need to work with a lot of reflective objects. Sometimes the light will scatter or bloom, or it'll just 
blow out the sensor, like too much light comes back. So most 3D cameras and most LiDAR um, have issues with this as well. Um, Sense Photonics, we, we resolved it because we have um, an HDR mode, which is a different subframes with different integration times for different types of materials. Uh, but it really, in order to do that well, it really took um, the the fact that we, you know, we build our own lasers and we can drive our laser emitter in, in many different ways to capture that information. Uh, the impact it has on robots, it's kind of simple. You have a big machine or a forklift or a hospital robot and somebody is wearing black that day. That robot still has to not crash into that person. <laughs> so, and and this is what I mean by a, an uncontrolled, more va like variable environment. Where robots provide value might be in environments people can't 100% control. And you need to know with that camera, I can see that person wearing black. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something interesting earlier as well. You were talking about the effect of the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, so would light from the sun or say light from another one of these, um, hardware products that you produce, um, another solid state flash LIDAR in its proximity, would that cause interference and potentially, um, make it more difficult or get more false readings out of these sensors? Now that's a great question. And I find myself educating people about this all the time. Uh, interference mitigation is a question to ask a 3D camera or LiDAR vendor. What happens is we have a lot of roboticists who are working in labs or they're building their first prototype and they get far along into the development that they're, they get pretty excited. And then they build two robots or three robots. Maybe these robots are in close proximity to each other and maybe their sensors start failing. So on the, on the topic of uh, multi-unit interference mitigation, it is a requirement, if you plan on building more than one robot or have more than one camera looking at a pallet, for example, that the cameras you're using don't interfere with itself or interfere with, with, its, with its product line. At Sense Photonics, we have always on interference mitigation so if two units are looking at each other, it'll be um, very, very, very rare for, for them to collide maybe one frame every 10,000 hours. But, but we randomize how we shoot mm -hmm. the light, and that's how we solve that problem. Uh, mm -hmm. for, for other LIDARs, especially the mechanical scanning LIDAR, um, there's, because how they move the light is very similar, it's possible they'll interfere more often. Uh, so it's, it's an important question to ask because you don't want to be caught off guard by this. Uh, regarding also another thing, um, indoor facilities like warehouses tend to already have a lot of products in the 850 nanometer wavelength. So if you introduce another 850 product to that environment, um, it, it might interfere. Sensotonics, um, we're using 940 nanometers. We have interference built in between our own product line and we're using 940 in order to cut through 100 kilolux sunlight. Uh, I just, we don't wanna have a warehouse by a camera, happen to put it near a loading dock or a window, and then their system goes down at sunset. 
And that, that's kind of mm-hmm. absurd. Like if, if lights coming through the window or the loading dock, or the skylight, there needs to not be a problem. Uh, they, they need to not have to factor that in. It, it should just work regardless of what lighting environment it's in. Mm-hmm. And looping back to some of your the products that Sense Photonics produces, um, could you describe what they are and how they look and feel? Right. So we're, we're, we're an industrial time of flight camera, and there's other cameras in that category. Uh, the difference is we see further and we see more. So it's, it's not a small camera. It is beefier, so to speak. I like to think about it as uh, you get your small automobile for, for the nimble tasks, and you get your big job, you get your big truck when you want to get a job done. Uh, so the Sense One product, uh, which is our first product and we're shipping, is offered in three different fields of view because there are uh, a field of view and range trade-off. Um, uh, so people who want the wide field of view, it's 95 by 75. That's usually great for a collision avoidance application. The 80 by 60 sees 20 meters. It's great for looking down the length of semi-trucks. You want to load it or measure it or do people tracking inside of it. And the 80 by 30 sees 40 meters outdoors, 50 meters indoors. And people just want um, kind of look over an entire workspace and, mm-hmm. and see, look for pallets and people and cars and trucks or any kind of large, um, uh, any kind of activity. So and when you say 80 by 30 and 80 by 60, those are degrees you're talking about, correct? correct? Those are field of view, fields of view. Mm-hmm. And what is the range associated with those three? So the 95 by 75 sees 10 meters outdoors, 12 meters indoors. And the wider field of view is interesting to robotic collision detection type applications, usually. It's also, we have a high accuracy mode available with that. Really great for mixed case pallet picking, um, robotic picking of cases off of pallets, especially if you don't know what color that box is. Uh, We have plus or minus five millimeter accuracy up to three meters away. So a lot of people in robotics are challenged with workspace enlargement with 3D cameras. A lot of the 3D cameras in the market will see one or one meter or so. Uh, and they really need that power to see two or three meters with high accuracy in order to be successful with, with pallet picking. Um, 80 by The 80 degree by 60 degree sees 20 meters indoors, uh, 16 meter outdoors. And that was really built with the intention of uh, seeing down the lengths of trucks. There is, uh, these cameras are not only being used for robotics. People want to count pallets. People want to count people or see if there's somebody, more people in the scene. They're getting higher data certainty with a 3D camera instead of a 2D camera for some of these applications. And also uh, trucks will often like run half empty. So volumetric measurement of loads is very interesting. So the 80 by 60 is mostly a, a loading dock type of camera uh, to see that 20 meter range. But again, it's, it's all uh, depends on the application and people can decide on their own trade-offs. And the 80 by 30 uh, will see 40 meters outdoors. And some people are using that as a security camera, a smart city, a garage door opener. And likewise, um, looking for spills and aisles. Uh, it it kind of crosses over into this video analytics, um, machine learning for video world, 
where annotating, annotating video with 3D data provides more context uh, for um, better video analytics. But there's this other thing happening in the security domain that uh, some cities or countries are banning color, the recording of color video security cameras in fear of facial recognition capabilities. Um, so being able to do security and analytics using 3D instead of color, you're not, gonna, you're not worried about the facial recognition software, but you can find out what you need to know about what people are doing in this space. Interesting. So then it's more difficult to use that facial detection uh, technology when you don't have color data. Correct. Yeah. And this is very interesting to retail, very interesting to um, workforce as well. Like how many people, like on a construction site, did 10 people make it to that floor or is that floor empty? Uh, is our people moving this product around this Space, like the, the receiving area, or, or is everything still on the floor and having yet to be attended? And having that information go to a manager. Uh, and in the retail space, I, I kind of paused at that because with COVID right now, um, retail is not getting a whole lot of traction. But how long do people stop at a display? Does this kind of setup work for people? How many people are clogging this aisle at a certain time of day? Do we need to redesign things? So getting those analytics from a 3D camera is super valuable about how people are moving in the space. And it doesn't step over the line of facial recognition software. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for these cameras, how would you say plug it into a computer and grab the data off of it? What type of interface does it use? Um, it is gigabit ethernet, so it is industrial grade and we will have, the unit has an, an um, embedded computer. So some people, again, kind of a couple of different markets. Some people want the camera to be a standalone piece of hardware. So there's the opportunity to download a direct application onto the Sense1's um, internal compute. Um, other people will network it to another to an external system. For example, if it's a robot, they'll probably use the uh, gigabit ethernet cable to network it to their uh, robot's computer so it can work alongside its the robot's real-time motion controller. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sense Photonics, do they just sell the hardware along with the software to enable the hardware? Um, as, say, a package, or are there also purely software packages, um, say, for analysis of the 3D point clouds that are created? Uh, it's Right now, uh, we, are, we are selling the cameras and the software that empowers the camera uh, in terms of being, in terms of delivering great point clouds, great intensity images, great depth maps. That's all included. So the software, the SDK does require, um, does give customers access to configurability because a long range application outdoors uh, has different things it wants to optimize for. And, and then there's the high accuracy mode indoors, which would be a different software configuration. So we give that access to customers through our SDK in order to make the Sense1 camera 
a very great camera for your application. And we're always happy to get on the phone and, and talk people through that. So that's, that's the camera output side. We're responsible for that. What people do with the data after. Uh, am I counting pilot pallets? Am I counting people? Am I not crashing into that pole? Uh, that, that's more on the customer side. We will have packages available, um, such as uh, maybe people or pallet counting available, uh, because those applications are a little more simple. But for robotics people who are tying the data into real-time motion control and decision-making for a wide variety of different robotic applications, uh, it's our job to be a great sensor. And our great sensor, our great camera empowers your robot to do what you program it to do. Mm -hmm. And what is the cost of the products that are offered by SensePotonics as, as it compares to the competition, other LiDARs out there? Currently, uh, the, the SenseOne product is listed for $4,000. And with Sensor Fusion and Robotics Teams, uh, this is comparable. The uh, Some of our competitors are $2,000 or $2,500. Uh, but the thing is, they don't see as far and they don't have as wide a field of view. So the math that roboticists do, it, the math is about coverage. It's about how much can my robot see at a certain price? And so my unit costs at $4,000 at its widest field of view is 95 by 75 degrees wide. And you see uh, 12 meters indoors. And when you think of that base of the triangle, 12 meters is a lot more area than eight meters or six meters. And most of our competitors are six meter product products with much smaller fields of view. So buying one cents one unit could be very comparable to buying four units from a competitor. Uh, but every different robot application will have to figure out your own math on what works best. Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned this a little bit throughout the interview, but I was wondering if you could just cover what industries are currently using this technology and who is the target customer in general? Well, that's, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I've been working with Sense Photonics for two years. My first project while I was a consultant, uh, helping formulate the market need. And my experience coming from mobile robots and AGVs, uh, I did a fair amount of research and also participated in a NIST program about forklift safety. And forklifts crash into things, people get injured, Generally, and we see this activity, generally people want automated forklifts or supplemental collision detection on forklifts or uh, navigation for forklifts or even map tracking of forklifts. So we can start about start thinking about how all these forklifts can become AGVs or at least become safer to the operators. There is, I'm going to say this pretty bluntly, in order for forklifts to be safer, a 3D camera actually has to see the forks. Mm -hmm. The forks are long, thin, black, shiny objects. They are terrible for all 3D cameras and LiDARs on the market. The spinning and mechanical LiDARs, uh, either the forklifts happen within the gaps of the lines or 
there's a reflection problem or it doesn't see the black. And the, and the consumer grade cameras like RealSense just won't see the black or it won't see far enough to matter. You need the long, you need the longer range, wider field of view and the resolution and high dynamic range and the lighting environment and the interference mitigation. You need all of these to be in place just for a machine to see a black thin forklift fork that's about to come run into you. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, the we, we started off with those requirements along with requirements for self-driving cars because we do have a, a fair amount of focus as well on, on that on the AV industry and other market segments other ground robots mobile robots robotic pallet picking um security cameras uh we <laughs> talk about what we're building for forklifts and avs and there's a lot of interest in using it elsewhere Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as uh, you and me both know, there are a lot of economic and social implications of uh, coronavirus going around mm -hmm. the economy. Is Sense Photonics affected by this at all or their customers? Our customers are shifting. So I went to this trade show last March called Modex. It's a month ago now. <laughs> it seems a while ago. And that was the week. It's an it's a warehouse automation trade show, and that was the week on that Wednesday that coronavirus was declared a national emergency for the U.S. I started the week by visiting my grandmother. Who, she she happens to live near Atlanta, and it was the first time in her life that she used the internet to buy groceries. And now at Modex, I'm speaking with uh, the material handling industry for automated warehouses. And we're realizing that there's going to be a huge uptick in demand for uh, delivery, grocery delivery, e-commerce. There's also been other things that happened where um, some uh, a meat factory got contaminated by someone with coronavirus. So automation for handling sensitive products, products that could become humans, contaminate food products. Um, so getting people out of the loop on the food industry in terms of handling and uh, also this lean supply chain concept or issue where all these industries built up very lean supply chains and from all these places all around the world, which is highly reliant on trade and um, transportation, but all of that got knocked out. So companies can't operate because, because they can't, they don't have their goods from overseas in time. So all these companies who were procrastinating on their automation projects how do we save money? How do we re reduce the threat of contaminating our products? How do we uh, have more reliability in our supply chain? They're going to start seriously thinking about doing adding budget for a couple of line items. How do we automate our warehouses? How do we inc increase capacity for our delivery services? How do we bring some manufacturing back in our supply chain back to the U.S.? And, um, and how do we do food handling a lot sm smarter so we don't contaminate products. So again, I'm very hopeful from the robotics industry perspective that companies will start making decisions about how to eliminate these risks from their operation. Um, I'm also very sad and distraught about uh, all the people who, who are struggling right now um, because people can't gather. 
And I think these are mutually exclusive businesses. When people can gather again in bars and events, uh, the economy will boom again. And from the robotics and automation standpoint, the companies will be automating further in the next few years in order to protect themselves from this kind of incident happening again. That's very interesting. So we might actually see a bit of an uptick in the adoption of um, automated warehouses mm-hmm. and some of this LIDAR technology that is being developed. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's good for us as an economy as well to bring this manufacturing back, to secure uh, the operational integrity of our distribution and logistics network and to give people options. Um, we do need people in the loop. We do need workers in the loop in operating this equipment and operating these systems and project managing these type of deployments. What we don't need are people using their hands and their back to lift objects and touch objects because that causes injuries and that causes contamination. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the future products that Sense Photonics is developing? Well, we're pretty excited. So uh, I can't go into detail yet, but I'll put it this way. It's not surprising that everyone wants this to be really inexpensive someday, really small one day. And uh, you mentioned color data and depth. Uh, There might be something interesting we can do um, in, in getting really great sensor fusion within our own hardware. So we're excited. Um, It is going to take time, but the best thing to do is really think about these timelines, not like just one year. Think about three to five years. This year, our customers have time to do R&D, to work on their perception systems, to figure out little technical debt, to rethink their product requirements. So this is a great year to get a sense one and start playing with it, do it, use it for small deployments, knowing that writing software that is leveraging the sense photonics data output will result in three to five years, the opportunity to swap our sensor out for lower cost versions. And it's our job to be a great camera vendor. Your robot can perform better for a long period of time when you start using the the best sensor for the job right now. Mm -hmm. That is very exciting. Thank you very much for speaking with us today. Great. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And that's all for today. Though there's plenty more to discover on robohop.org forward slash podcast. And if you've enjoyed this or any of our past content, please consider supporting our team by becoming a patron. For literally just a few dollars a month, you can support the podcast team so that we can continue to bring you the latest news and views on robotics. Find out more about our Patreon campaign at robohop.org forward slash podcast. And then catch us again in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. LIDAR with RoboHub, the podcast for news and views on robotics.